back to Dad's Meat World, your weekly deep dive into that 90s seminal show where Corey Matthews, the 13-year-old now, gets to meet the world. I am one of your two dads who weekly dives in, Brett, and virtually with me is your other dad, Tyler. <laughs> Sorry, I always feel like our intros go really odd because we always do it so differently every time. So it's always this weird, like, oh, do I say no? Do I say no? Okay, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and this week we have a special guest joining us on our call. We have a special, uh, I don't have a drum roll on my board tonight, but... We are joined by my eldest child, the fruit of my looms. Beep boop. Caller, introduce yourself. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Who are That's you? That's all you get. Who are <laughs> you? Say your you name. My name? Oh, man. Hi. I'm Abby, I guess. This is my father and my other father. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, this is my 15-year-old that has been mentioned many times on the podcast. This is Abby. Uh, also likes uh, to no, go by Hajime these hello, days. Hello, Abby, I guess. <laughs> oh, yes, Abby, I guess. <laughs> that is my name. Yes, this is Abby. And uh, Tyler was uh, around a lot when Abby was just, oh, yeah, a little bit, a little bitty. Yeah, I feel like I, I should I should take a moment, Brett, and just really uh, I, I feel like I owe you an apology. You see, I feel like all these years you thought that I came over and, and spent time with you and, and built a relationship with you because I wanted you to think <laughs> that I was there just to hang out with you. But really, it was just I wanted to hang out with your kid because she was just so darn cool. So I'm just that uh, we cool. kind of figured. <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Uh, so I'm just going to say for the record, uh, hello, my Abby, to the program. It is wonderful <laughs> to have you here. Abby was my flower girl <laughs> and will forever be my Abby, no matter how big she gets. And she needs to stop growing. Well, I think there's no danger of Abby growing anymore. Um, hey, uh, that's mean. Const <laughs> constantly ripped on by uh, our middle child Toby for being short. So, uh, uh, Abby, let's let's uh, tell the world uh, what's been going on this week with you. What's what you got? Some big news this week. Oh yeah, I've been extremely stressed this week. It's been ridiculous. Yeah, what's what's had you so stressed this week? Yeah, um, my stressful week was due to the epic spring musical auditions. So, <laughs> uh, and what is your spring musical this year? My spring musical is the one in the only Shrek. Shrek. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and you tried out for the role of Pinocchio, I believe, right? I did. Yes, and did, you did were you on pins and needles and FOMO because you did not get a call back. Did you get it? I did not. But Everyone did that I know got a call back but me. It was weird. So they gave it to you anyway? <laughs> no. Sadly. But it's okay because I... You did get cast. I did, but it's okay because I am baby bear. <laughs> 
Okay. <laughs> What's funny is that uh, not typecast at yeah, all. Yeah, definitely not typecast. <laughs> One of my friends actually called it a month ago that I would get baby bear and told me today that I just radiate baby bear energy. <laughs> radiate baby bear energy. And this is not your first foray into the world of acting, right? Oh, no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, excuse uh, me. Yes. We'll get to that. First more. foray into acting was in 2007 or oh, 2008. I'm sorry. Uh, in the season finale of the Purple Police first season. <laughs> first time acting. <laughs> Terrific job. No complaints. I did very well for a one year old. <laughs> now, for those of you good looking people at home who are listening and have no clue what we mean by the Purple Police, we're going to have to bring that up sometime in between seasons. <laughs> uh, so we'll get more into Abby's acting a little bit later. Uh, Tyler, how's your week been going? Well, you see, Brett and my Abby. Um. We've done this thing, my wife and I, called bringing another child into this world. And uh, the old saying goes, uh, your life doesn't become double as hard with bringing in a baby. It becomes a hundred times harder. And I never understood that. And then we brought another baby into this house. And then I fully understood it. I said, yeah, it's not double. It's so much more than that. And I just sit there and I go, if I just had the energy to do some laundry, that would be amazing. But I don't. (laughs) (laughs) So just nothing but fun. Um, We've had some friends visit, uh, which has been very nice, and family members as well. We have some people that are obsessively asking us for pictures because they haven't visited us yet. So hopefully we'll get some more visitors here soon. And I don't know, (laughs) just nothing but fun, chaos and, um, you know, sprinting to my job with 10 pizzas in the back of my car. That was, you know, just fun, fun yesterday. So fun times (laughs) all around, really. Um, Yeah. Oh, of course. What about you, Brett? Oh, life's been interesting. Uh, Launched a new podcast at work. Uh, So, well, launching, recorded this week, edited, and uh, it'll be launching next week. Uh, By the time this hits the airwaves, it'll already been out and about. Uh, So my day job, I'm a communications uh, specialist. So uh, the fact that it's taken three, four years now, to get around to launching a podcast for a conference that covers the entire half of a state of the Ohio. Uh, on the one hand, kind of sad, but on the other hand, very understandable that it's Ohio that it took four years. Um, so that was, that took up a lot of my week, but uh, actually today uh spent half the day half the afternoon trying to figure out which uh <laughs> which circuit breaker we managed to trip in the house that uh shut down our entire living room right. uh, including our internet source so uh that was fun <laughs> yeah you guys were yelling so much that it woke me up and i was very angry <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, I'm surprised you didn't wake up when we went in your room to take your uh, your space heater to help I dry off the dogs. Up. Which I looked at you and then went back to sleep. <laughs> ultimately, that and the hair dryer to try and dry off the dogs was what killed the breaker. And uh, we fried a multi-tap uh, surge protector, and that's what uh, made it difficult to try and track it down because that was still plugged in. So if you ever trip a circuit breaker, good looking people. Make sure you unplug everything before you reset the breaker, because mm-hmm. if you fried a if you have fried a surge protector or multi tap outlet or a device and it's still plugged in, that will prevent the breaker from fully resetting. And then make sure you throw it away, whatever you fried. <laughs> now, so that was I understand uh, yeah. real quick. First of all, I'm so sorry to hear that. That sounds horrible, and I fully understand uh i can sympathize because that is ridiculous i'm a good empathizer not always good sympathizer (laughs) but i can sympathize on that now i have to understand here my abby this isn't you know people meet world this isn't kids meet world this isn't moms (laughs) meet world this is dad's meet world And unfortunately, dad's got to deal with the problems that only dads can deal with. (coughs) And I'm so sorry that you were woken up early because someone dared (laughs) fix a problem for you not to worry about. I'm so sorry. I am sorry. (laughs) I was just taking a little nap. It was okay. (laughs) Oh, little nap. <laughs> well, Tyler and Abby, I think we should get into this week's episode. What about you? I think it's bound time, yes. Yeah, reality All is right. boring. Well, I would agree. Although today <laughs> it definitely was anything but boring, so I think you're wrong there. <laughs> oh, darn. Well, today we're going to get into the 20th episode of Boy Meets World The Plays of the Thing. And this week on Boy Meets World, Corey gets cast as Hamlet in the school play. But when he thinks the material is too soft, he quits. This episode was written by Ed Dechter and John J. Strauss, directed by David Trainer, originally aired on April 29th, 1994, and currently enjoys an IMDb rating of 7.3. Now, as you uh, might have guessed at home, good-looking people, this episode we have planned for quite some time to have Abby on because, Abby, uh, you're about to – how many productions at the high school have you been a part of? Um, I am currently rehearsing for my fourth, and the musical will be my fifth. And that comes with it uh, as, as you take the stage at the Winter One Acts next week. That comes with a little special recognition, doesn't it? Oh, yeah. I'm going to let her in theater, so that's fun. <laughs> Aw, good job. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so cool. Yeah, so, uh, so you I, are our resident thespian. I was going to say, I have questions that you need to answer me. Sorry, you're a P. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Now, here at Dad's Meet World, we've come to the conclusion that sometimes episodes have to episode. So forgive me when I say, um, is it possible to start Monday on uh, practicing and learning lines to Friday being able to perform said lines? 
<laughs> now remember, this is selected scenes. They're not performing the entire show, but still, it is Hamlet. But we have set, we have costumes, and he already has the. Sean says, after he quits on I don't know Wednesday, you're the only guy who knows all the lines. My question is, is when? <laughs> when did he learn all the lines? Because he went from a class a- of saying <laughs> blah, blah, blah to then he just knows all the lines. When? When did that happen? Yeah, Sean is the last person I expect to memorize all the new lines in that short of time. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, okay, I guess the question is how long from start say when you start rehearsing until you finally get to do the play average well it really depends because um we have three different performances throughout the year that are all different lengths but the shortest one is about two months so a week is out of the questions that you're telling me i mean if you're doing one scene maybe (laughs) but even selected scenes yeah (laughs) there's no way it's a week I didn't even realize it was a week. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> well, it's just what well, we've come to the conclusion of again on this show for, in our podcast, uh, co- or the uh, well, uh, canon of the co- of of the show we have is that sometimes you know what we're seeing is not accurate to the actual time that has been allocated towards it. Like this whole play mm-hmm. thing could have been going on for months and weeks on end. It's just, we're hitting the highlights of it. And then we're also finding out about this whole um, pay dispute with dad at work as well. So we could just be seeing the final week of production, you know, maybe it was like a month long project for them, but you know, we're only seeing the highlights slash end. I'm going with episodes got an episode. (laughs) (laughs) Episodes got an episode. All right. So let's dive in. (laughs) So Mr. Feeney, as we mentioned, is preparing the class for their spring play. And this is how he chooses to do it. I would like you all to let out your most agonized groan. Good. Now, let's start planning our springtime class play. <laughs> Been there, heard that. Yeah, I'm, I'm done with episodes got an episode because wardrobe is definitely the same. That's why I'm going with episodes got an episode. <laughs> well, I mean, I will say, uh, to give credit, he says the springtime musical. So we could be seeing a scene that is not taking place in that week. It's happening, you know towards the future so and now we're just fast forwarding after the amazing intro to the few weeks ahead of time to that week we could i like mr feeney's description murder sword fights skulls ghosts it's got Corey and sean excited sounds like spielberg Mr. Feeney says it sounds like Shakespeare. Sean says sounds like a loser. Abby, what do you know about Hamlet? I know a lot about Hamlet. Uh, Actually, right before winter break, we finished reading it in English. So I know a lot. (laughs) Yeah. So So how familiar were you with it? So as we go through him saying who the people should be, will you give us an indication of do you think they could handle that role? Yeah, I can do that. 
Okay. All right. So let's start with Sean. Spear carrier. What do you think? 100%. (laughs) (laughs) Very fitting. What do you think of Mr. Feeney's explanation? Because it's so very few lines to learn. I actually don't think he had any lines. (laughs) So, yeah. (laughs) I would agree. All right. What about Topanga and Ophelia, who has to go quite insane? I kind of wish I got to see that go down because I think that would have gone beautifully. So real quick, I have to say that's the first time we hear the real Topanga. I agree. Because it's just in that (laughs) attitude, that tone, that is who she becomes. She's not this hippy Mm -hmm. dippy, all the spirits. Like literally in three episodes, we drop all that and that is her attitude. I take no prisoners. I will not deal with your baloney. This is who I am. And she brings up Brillo Head from way back in like episode four. Mm-hmm. If I were a less evolved person, I'd say cram it, Brillo Head. All right. So what about Minkus as Polonius? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? Why not? Why not? Well, um... I do not think, well, obviously, as I said, I do not think Minkus would make a very good Polonius, which, I mean, spoilers, but, like, he does suck, and (laughs) Polonius is a very important role, and I have a feeling Minkus would not do a death scene very well. Fair enough. All right, so, and then we come to the melancholy Dane, and let's uh, let's hear Mr. Feeney's reasoning. Now, this is a tricky part to cast because Hamlet gets on a lot of people's nerves. He makes one stupid mistake after another, and for five acts, he never shuts up. <laughs> what do I have a booger? <laughs> What about Corey? Is he a good Hamlet? Oh, 100%. Easy. (laughs) See now, but is that just episodes got an episode because he's the main character of our show? Nah, nah, it it just fits too well. I like the description, though. Stupid mistake after stupid mistake. And for one hack, he just doesn't shut up. (laughs) And everyone in the classroom knows who he's talking about. I will say that description is very true. I actually read as Hamlet the entire time we read the story because I am one of three theater kids in that class and the only one willing to have that many lines. <laughs> and I will say, for one <laughs> act, he does not shut up. <laughs> so when we eventually do Dad's Meet World on the road, Hamlet or Ham- Hamlet style, uh, you will then be our Hamlet. Sure. (laughs) All right. We got our Hamlet. (laughs) So then we go to Tyler's favorite theme song and we come back. Two more after this. Just two more. (laughs) Corey and Morgan are practicing for the annual Goofy Golf Tournament in the backyard. And uh, apparently Amy and Eric are in a winning streak six years straight against Alan and Corey. It seems kind of sad. So so six years straight. So that means at at age 
seven, they started. No, it would have been at age six. They would have kept track of who's winning at Goofy Golf. Mm-hmm. That's literally like, you know, you and your middle saying that, oh, we're going to beat up on Kelly and your youngest. And, oh, we got a winning streak going right now. Like, yeah, you're going to beat them. There's no way. I could buy it. Abby, when we go play mini golf for as far back as we've ever played mini golf, do we have do we keep score? Yes. Yeah, we always but keep score. You're not, you're not we, on a team, though. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, okay. So my comparison, no, though, we're always is so so in the future. If in five years we start a two on two, me and youngest versus oldest and my wife, like we're gonna say that you know. They have a win streak. Of course they have a win streak. Like, we don't have a chance. I know how five-year-olds <laughs> play putt-putt. There's a reason when we play putt-putt that's got collective, the mobs <laughs> didn't keep score. Yeah, of course. <laughs> uh, <sighs> Sorry. The little, I had to get I that like off the- my chest. It, bother- it bothered me. <laughs> I do like that Corey is practicing with Morgan and that Morgan cracks herself up with her own joke. <laughs> Eric wants to borrow some cash from Corey, even though Eric's the one with the job. He's got a J-O-B. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And I, I, I clipped uh, I, I clipped this one here. Hey, look, I could have gone to anybody for cash, but I came to you because we're family. I mean, we're like brothers. <laughs> The closest person in the world to me, Cor. And your name is. Old, uh, real quick, oldest child, you, right there. This is the nonsense mm-hmm. I heard my whole life from the oldest in the family. Oh, I came to you because you know we're siblings. We're so close to each other. Could have gone to anybody else, <laughs> but I chose you. Yeah, I'm looking at you. <laughs> Does he listen to the podcast? Of course not. <laughs> <laughs> I still haven't heard a thing about that saw yet, so no one here, none of my people listen to this. It's fine. <laughs> so, Abby, do you ever use this kind of excuse? Uh, I have never used that before. I will just go up to them and say, hey, do this, and they will. <laughs> At least Asha will. Toby sometimes <laughs> gives me a hard time. That's the power of the oldest. <laughs> well, Asher likes you. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, we hear that the market giant is cutting back on salaries. Yes, the market giant is cutting back on salaries by 5%. Since when is Eric on salary? That's the question I had. Like, are you saying that also the hourly people are also getting a cut back too? Eric is uh, has been fired, well, quit, when he wanted to be a supermodel. Rehired at a lower job level, he has not been back on long enough to rise anywhere above box boy or bagger, probably just long enough to work beyond just weekend and night shift. That's an hourly position. Now, I can understand if maybe Market Giant was just cutting back 5% on payroll, but that is not a salaried position. So... Either Eric misspoke or Eric is really rolling in the nepotism benefits here. That could be a strong chance. 
<laughs> but a 5% rollback on, on paychecks across the board for hourly and salaried employees is pretty big, especially for a chain. And it's not something that I would not expect that I would not be surprised by. Right. Yeah. I have some stuff about this in the deep dives later on. I expect no less. <laughs> so Eric offers to take a dive uh, for 5% or 5% for $5. <laughs> for $5. The, and, the market uh, value on $5 is all over the place in this show. It really is. <laughs> it was the 90s. Five bucks was five bucks from week to week. <laughs> but uh, apparently his skill is good enough that E Corey could benefit from the dive. <laughs> so then we move on back to the classroom and they're rehearsing Hamlet and we move on to our next audio clip. Whether it is nobler in the mind to suffer the slings and arrows of blah 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 blah. <laughs> Mr. Feeney, who wrote this garbage? <laughs> Some say Shakespeare's plays were written by a group of individuals, but I don't necessarily believe that. I personally subscribe to the Francis Bacon theory. I go with the Jimmy Dean sausage theory. Please continue, Mr. Matthews. Okay. To die, to sleep, no more. And by a sleep to say we end the heartache. Can I please stop whining and shove a sword through somebody's guts? Yes, as soon as you get to the Queen's chamber. See, there's your problem right there. You want murder? You want suspense? You don't go to your mother's bedroom. <laughs> So Corey's got a problem with the material being too stale. Uh, I, I'm curious about these theories. I'm, I'm hoping that uh, you did some deep dive on the uh, Francis Bacon and Jimmy Dean theories. Or Jimmy Dean uh, sausage theories. Sorry, Tyler. those are clearly conspiracy theories that were beyond my uh, powers. <laughs> but uh, I will ask you, Abby, how do you think Corey's doing with this first uh, practice through? Um, before he completely lost it, I, he was doing pretty good. But I will, it was I did find it very funny that he decided to go the blah, blah, blah route, considering this is the scene he's doing is literally the one where Hamlet is wondering if he should kill himself or not. So, <laughs> <laughs> so there's some irony within the sh there's a metadist then in this uh, situation. <laughs> Very meta. Yeah. So, Abby, uh, in, in all of your uh, all of your performances, have you ever run into castmates who have had issues with material being too stale or boring for them? I don't think so, because normally we're given the script or, well, at least the title of the play beforehand. And the only people who audition are people who actually want to be a part of it. So I don't think so. But again, it's kind of different than just a class student performance. So have you heard anyone use the phrase? That's not what my character would do. I don't think so. That'd be kind of interesting if I did, though. I think you should. I think Baby Bear needs to take a bigger role and you need to assert yourself. <laughs> <laughs> so we get back into things. Corey's got a little more here to add. And how are you going to improve the greatest play in English literature? Well, for starters, let's set this thing in a burning skyscraper. <laughs> then I could do sort of a Bruce Willis thing, you know? Shooting Uzis, blowing away terrorists, jumping out windows. 
All this guy Hamlet does is talk. He even talks when nobody's there. <laughs> Prince Hamlet finds himself in the middle of a terrible dilemma. Whatever course of action he chooses could have dire consequences. He is racked with indecision. He is one of literature's most human characters. You mean most wimpy characters. Wimps talk, heroes do stuff. The Gospel according to Jean-Claude Van Damme. Hamlet as, as John McClane. Die hard, yes. And uh, I was talking with, uh, with Abby just a little before recording this, uh, this gives she has a, a brand new appreciation for this this dialogue here this year because you got to introduce yourself to Die Hard this year, didn't you? Yes, I loved it. I'm not, it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so you think that Hamlet could be improved with some Die Hardness? Uh, I don't know. Um, Corey clearly hasn't read Act Five yet. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's pretty clear too. <laughs> I think I think he'd appreciate the last scene. What happened? Well, um literally everyone dies except one person. <laughs> but that's not what happens in the Lion King. <laughs> well, that's di- um that's Disney. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So Topanga to comes in. <laughs> Topanga <laughs> comes in with Corey's costume, which Jedediah, her father, sewed, and Sean makes sure that everyone knows. And to, uh, Corey is taken aback because it's a mini dress and pantyhose. Mister Fina corrects him; it's a doublet and tights. Corey's got an interesting observation to make that I just had to share. Maybe if Hamlet had worn pants, he could have made a decision or two. <laughs> Is that a sexist comment? That's what I was shooting for. It kind of just sums up their relationship in the whole, honestly. Yeah. But again, that 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 is the real Topanga coming through right there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's that's definitely the feminist the feminist uh, Topanga shown through. Mm-hmm, yeah. And mm-hmm. Corey, the very much. Shoot from the hip, speak first, think later. <laughs> yeah. And I, I have to say, I think we can we can clearly state that the person who truly wears the pants in the Matthews house is not Alan Matthews. It's his wife. <laughs> so with uh <laughs> nothing nothing on that, Brett. <laughs> well, <laughs> I would probably say they share them, if only because Alan is quick to anger, but he's also, and granted, we're only in season one, but Alan Alan is capable of making well-thought-out decisions, and uh, the the idea of wearing the pants in the family tends to be a, a an idea of leading the family and being in charge. And with Alan and Amy's parenting style, it tends to be more partnership. So I would say sharing would be more well, appropriate. We could go with the approach of my big fat Greek wedding. The man is the head of the house, but the woman is the neck. And she can point the husband in any direction she wants. 
Which does yeah, fit, I, I think. <laughs> I was never a big fan of my, my big fat Greek wedding. I always thought it was overrated. Hold on a second. <laughs> I love that movie. I yeah, still love that send movie. Send your hate mail to dadsmeetworld at gmail.com. I'll, I'll take it. <laughs> yes. Only send that just to Brett. When we talk about where you can stalk him later, send him mean DMs. <laughs> Anyway, so uh, Corey is not impressed with the costume. He is already not thrilled with the uh, dialogue, with the character. Hamlet's a wimp. There's no action. Uh, He's not keen on Mr. Feeney's philosophy of learning the classical theater and the classical in the original style. And in his sixth grade mindset, he believes that Hamlet is not a famous play, that it's not a worthwhile piece of literature. And his ideas to spice things up are falling on Mr. Feeney's deaf ears. So Corey's well-reasoned, thought-out, and rational response to all of this is... I quit this! With all of that, I ask you this... Did Corey make the right decision? No. (laughs) (laughs) Though I am surprised he wasn't recast sooner. (laughs) I'll say yes. (laughs) Tyler, you're saying yes, he made the right decision? Yeah, well, I don't have as much acting experience as, say, Abby does. I was never in any plays in school, but... In the things I have done for recording purposes and just having fun purposes, when I am enjoying it, when I know the thing I'm doing is something that we're passionate about and we're really going for, it is a much different experience than when, say, a teacher edits everything that we decide we're going to do and then it just comes just nothingness and then it's just well, let's just go through the motions of doing it because this no longer has a soul. And I think for Corey, he doesn't have a true passion or desire to do it. Thus, if he doesn't have a passion desire to do it and he's the lead character, like as ridiculous as Minkus is, he wants to be there. He wants to do a good job. He's just kind of not sure how to go about doing it. I thought that to myself as well. But I also thought this seems to be a class assignment. This would be a graded uh, assignment as part of an academic setup. Mm -hmm. So quitting and walking away from this assignment would have repercussions on Corey's academic performance. So... Is it still the right decision to just walk away from it wholesale? Well, that's the problem is episode asked episode, Brett. (laughs) (laughs) We have to have some sort of problem for him to deal with. And if it truly is a class assignment where they have no choice but to participate, he would clearly still be there the next day, just not as Hamlet. So – would you allow one of your boys to walk away from the play if it was a class assignment? And if the only reason was Corey's world where it was just because it wasn't exciting enough and Hamlet wasn't John McClane or Rambo. 
So here's what I'll say. I was raised on if you make a commitment to something, you you see that commitment through. So if either of my boys commit to doing something and then they tell me they want to quit, then I would tell them you are not allowed to quit. If they tell me I already have quit, I would say then go apologize and find a way to get back in it. Because from my perspective, and that's this is the problem with this episode, and this is the whole crux of what we've been talking about lately is episode after episode, we have to have some sort of problem. And it's not really setting in stone of what is actually happening, because on one hand, it feels like they are forced to do this, they don't have an option, and yet they're going to be performing it in front of friends and family and whoever. So it's like... It's it's tricky, and I don't like it, and I don't feel good about anything that's happening. But again, Corey does not want to do it. Any thoughts from you, Abby? I My thought process was just immediately, it screws up the entire thing because all the roles need to be shifted around, which now they have even less time to learn <laughs> what they need to do. So that is definitely a big issue. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is TV magic. Yes, the magic of TV. By the way, I think you're using episode of an episode crutch way too much. You need to branch out a little bit. <laughs> plot's got a plot. Yeah, we've done plot's got a plot. <laughs> so anyway, out in the hallway, Sean and Corey are basking in Corey's glory, thinking Feeney's over a barrel. Uh, you know, Hambo part six, to kill or not to kill. Thought that was fun. You know, Minka shows up in his dramatic garb over dramatic garb. Minkus is clearly now going to be Hamlet. <laughs> and, you know, he's going to be awesome at it. Pause for comedic effect. So then we transition to the Matthews kitchen. Corey sank 18 putts in a row. And, uh, you know, Eric and uh, and uh, Amy better be worried. But Eric informs him the tournament's been canceled because Alan's pay has been cut as well. And uh, the Jersey Shore trip has been canceled. I've, I've been to Jersey Shore. It's all right. I, of course, went in January. It was not all that impressive in January, but it's okay. Yeah. But I have to say that probably going to the same place seven eight years in a row couldn't can't really be all that exciting unless they have like a place that they're super committed to and really love to go i'm hoping they were doing more than just goofy golf if they're driving for what was it three hours because i'm sure there's just as good golf mini golf courses closer to philly if not in philly but unless it's one of those places that once upon a time, Alan's mom took him to, and then they had to keep going back because blah, 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 blah. Sorry. That's probably it. I bet you that's it. Maybe his mom even took them to Goofy Golf one of those times. Took them all there. Ooh, I like that. I like us keep, keep up coming up with random theories. <laughs> all right. So... Corey decides to have a talk with Alan, finds out there's a lot more people on the ladder above Alan in the hierarchy of bosses. Because uh, this, this is really the first time we find out that Market Giant's a chain and not just a yeah. local supermarket. Um, 
And Corey wants Alan to throw some weight around and threaten to quit if he doesn't get his way. Great negotiating tactic there, by the way. <laughs> yes, I don't recommend just your first uh, line of defense is quit. <laughs> yeah, that's never the best opening gambit. <laughs> and so Alan apparently is uh, th- this has left some thoughts on Alan here because uh, it's we, we transition to evening. Everyone's gone to bed and Alan's sitting on the at the island in the kitchen. And I clipped out this sequence here because it's always it's always sat with me, uh, for, uh, especially now as a dad. Let me ask you something. Do you think of me as a spear carrier? You know, the trick to raising a 12 year old is ignore him. Can I ignore the people at work? I mean, do they see me as good old do what he's told, Alan Matthews? Alan won't complain. Alan's a company guy. There he is, aisle four with his spear. Gee, I thought the spears were on aisle five. I move them next to the slings and the arrows. <laughs> no, but really, I really think I've got to do something here. Well, I think we both know what you're going to do. No, you don't know what I'm going to do. Oh, you aren't going to talk to Bob Williams? Okay, you know what I'm going to do, but uh, you don't know what I'm going to say. And neither do you. That's the problem. You don't think I can control my temper with Bob, do you? Look, Alan Matthews, Bob Williams. Bob, Alan has something he'd like to say to you. Bob has less hair. Talk to the man. Bob. Bob. Bob, I've got 150 people who are working very hard and being squeezed very tight by this rollback. And uh, my store is outperforming all the other market giants in the greater Philadelphia area. And I feel that this rollback is neither warranted uh, nor fair. Calm, succinct, rational. Gee, I'm just not attracted to you anymore. Good night, sweet. Good night, Bob. Now that I've got you alone, Bob, let me show you what I've always wanted to do with your head. Now, my wife would call that cranky. I think that's cranky. (laughs) I think that's justified. Uh, again, yeah, Alan brings up his temper. And uh-huh. I mean, we're learning a lot about Alan and his temper this first season. I, I think this whole sequence is really it's really telling because Alan's got a lot to deal with here. He's got a very uh, a very unfair uh, dictum sent down from corporate that is squeezing his employees for no legitimate reason for his market giant. He needs to he he needs to fight for his employees, not just for himself. And uh, he needs to do so while knowing that he needs to control his temper. This idea, I love seeing Alan and Amy work together. And Amy knows, we've said this many, many times, Amy knows exactly how to work with Alan, with his temper especially, and with helping him think things through. And they're a perfect match for that. And I have to say, this is the weirdest looking uh, uh, cantaloupe I've seen. 
And this is a very ripe cantaloupe to have splattered like that when it hits the floor. Are we so you're sure saying there's one? multiple cantaloupe? I'm saying they found a very ripe one. <laughs> this cantaloupe conspiracy is what I'm hearing. <laughs> what do you think about all this, Abby? Um, well, for one, I think the cantaloupe is rotten. Um, <laughs> and also, I think he... If he could, keep, if he can find a way to keep himself calm, he makes a very good point. If his store is doing the best and is getting the same rollback as everyone else, that is the easy way out, and it is very lazy. And the higher up should be doing something better about that. Listen, he knows how to sell paper. He knows how to sell it to the people. That's what he's good at. He sells the paper. He makes them happy. He keeps them around. It's a family business you know what i mean like they're not family but they're family i think you're thinking of michael scott michael scott alan matthews they're like the same guy right <laughs> no mike michael didn't have kids this young <laughs> or get married this young <laughs> or box in the navy <laughs> yeah <laughs> So we transition to what I assume is the next day, because in the hallway, Sean has been promoted to Polonius. Abby, can Sean pull off Polonius? I think he can. His death scene is very entertaining. <laughs> I would watch that. Is a heavy set Sean accurate for Polonius? I don't know. It was never really specified what he looked like, but he didn't really. I don't think he really struck me that way. But it was pretty interesting to see a different take on it. Yeah, his death scene was fun to watch. And apparently, uh, we're not the only ones entertained because... Feeny says it's his favorite part of the play. <laughs> <laughs> but Sean wants Corey to come back because Minkus is killing them with his performance as Hamlet. And Corey stands firm, though, on the whole ballerina outfit of it all. Do you do, do, do you have Minkus trying to do the Southern accent while doing the lines? I yes. Do. <laughs> I do have the Southern version. Yes. <laughs> but here we have uh, pride getting in the way uh, once again for Corey. But Sean is taking ownership over his role in the play here. Uh, people are depending on him. And even his dad is taking off time of work to see him your dad's taking time off work to watch you die apparently this is something everybody wants to see sean's okay with people wanting to see him die <laughs> you know what me too <laughs> i mean i've never been well able is that to some that diss on yet. sean from you so badly what is that a diss on sean no no, no, no. I'm saying I want to have everyone watch me die on stage. That'd be fun. Oh, okay. <laughs> I've not been able to do a death, a death, death scene, death scene yet. Um, and I would very much <laughs> like to, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, get your uh, directors for all future plays to start listening to the podcast. <laughs> So then we transition because uh, Sean blows off Corey for the basketball in the gym to go to rehearsal. 
And then we transition to what I assume is the auditorium. I think it's the first time we've seen this set. And uh, Minkus can't even see the audience because he refuses to wear his glasses. And he will only answer to Hamlet or Mr. Hamlet. And that's where we pick up with this next clip. Put on your glasses and climb into Ophelia's grave. You know, I read an article that Elizabethan English is a lot like American Southern. So let me show you a little something I've been playing around with. Shazam! <laughs> show me what that do. What weak? What fat? What tears I sell? <laughs> Oh, great. Ernest goes to Denmark. Stuart, I can't breathe. Stick to the script. Your foot is on my liver. I can't work like this. All right, all right. I've had enough of rehearsal. I want you all to go home. It's not often we see Mr. Feeney so flustered. Now, Abby, what do you think of... Uh of Minkus going full uh, method acting with his glasses there. Uh, I will say that for once in this um, play experience, he is actually entirely correct. You are not supposed to wear glasses on stage as the spotlights will shine off of them and make them very shiny. Not only could that be a huge issue, but no one can see your face either. But also, I have not worn my glasses on stage many times, and my vision sucks, And but it does not hinder me to the point that I am straight up not looking at the audience. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> I'm, okay, but this is... Okay, as someone who wears glasses, who's worn glasses for a very long time, uh, and, and knows about a little bit more about eyes only because well, my mother worked for an eye doctor. Um, but Minkus, no matter how bad his vision is, should be aware enough that he is facing props <laughs> and that he is not looking at the audience. <laughs> There's no way he could, he could do that. This is a throwing a joke in to throw a joke in because we're funny <laughs> Hollywood writers. And we don't know how far Philadelphia joke. is from Jersey. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah, I never thought to get out Google Maps and see how far I would drive from Philly it's to the Jersey Shore. An hour and a half. That's it. <laughs> it's a three-hour drive there and back if you're doing that in one shot. But it's an hour and a half. <laughs> uh, going to go crazy. So... After Phoenix sends everyone home, he sits down with Corey, has a nice heart to heart uh, about the ramifications of Corey quitting. Neither one realized just how big of an impact it would have. And, and Mr. Feeney drops drops a facade and, and gets honest and real with with Corey. But and, and Corey offers to come back. Um, but Feeney already has his Hamlet. And as he puts it. He may bump into the scenery. He may talk like a hayseed. He may show up tomorrow in kabuki makeup. Nevertheless, he is my Hamlet. And this shows real commitment to those who have stuck with their commitments, who have not reacted off of pure emotional responses and immaturity, 
And it does not reward Corey for his temper tantrum by allowing him to come back and step back in where he was when he left. It allows him back and giving him the offer to come back in as a spirit carrier. It's actually extending him real grace. It's it's a lot like when Eric quit at the market giant to be a supermodel and being allowed to come back as a weekend uh, stock boy. You know, very similar situation there. It's it's a it's a real genuine moment between Corey and Mr. Feeney. It's it's almost talking as equals there. Mm-hmm. Abby, have you ever had a moment like this with a teacher? Um, I don't think so, because I am too scared to quit anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, it doesn't have to be about quitting. Just a moment where you had a teacher just kind of let the walls drop and be honest with you like that. Mm, I don't think so. What about you, Tyler? Oh, yeah. Uh, (laughs) Some of the best moments of learning came from a teacher just being like, yeah, I don't care what you have next. You're going to learn the thing I'm going to teach you right this moment. Um, (laughs) You know, things I still think about. I don't remember a look at things I learned in their class, but I remember those moments that I had with them. Uh, yeah, I do really love this moment that he has with him. And this is, I guess, indicative of what their relationship will become more like as they go on and as Corey is less in his classroom. And Feeney kind of can take a more of approach of just someone who cares about him, helping him walk through it and not the authority he's trying to thorst. I'm not sure if that was mm. a proper word or proper grammar in there, but, you know. I followed you. <laughs> <laughs> and so Corey's, uh, you know, Corey, Corey wants to share with Mr. Feeney here. And I, I clipped this, uh, this closer here with him and Mr. Feeney. Mr. Feeney, maybe I wouldn't have bailed on this play if you picked something a little cooler. I mean, couldn't we do selected scenes from the Terminator? <laughs> <laughs> or how about a Steven Seagal soliloquy? <laughs> You know, Mr. Matthews, you are absolutely right. Shakespeare is dry, tedious, and there's no way for a person your age to be affected by it. (laughs) I am thy father's spirit, doomed for a certain term to walk the night and for the day confined to fast in fires till the foul crimes done in my days of nature are burned and purged away. But that I am forbid to tell the secrets of my prison house, I could a tale unfold whose lightest word would harrow up thy soul, freeze thy young blood. But this eternal blazon must not be to ears of flesh and blood. List. List. (laughs) Oh, List. If thou didst ever thy dear father love. Oh, God. Revenge is foul and most unnatural murder. Of course, I'm no Steven Seagal. Uh, I just, I love that um, 
you know, for the actor who plays Mr. Feeney, um, William, I'm blanking on his last name right now. Um, Daniels, William Daniels, um, for mm-hmm. him being a Shakespearean actor, you know, and, and trained in those type of ways to be able to bring out that gravitas, you know, um, oh, yeah. he it's not get just too very often. No. So the, it's such a cool moment that I just, you know, as an adult, I appreciate that more than when I was a kid, clearly. But just seeing that was just so cool. And, you know, because it's not just a kid just sitting there just reading like there's real. Like they put time and energy into that moment, mm-hmm. that, and you can tell. Yeah, and I, I can't say that I went and found it, but uh, uh, and double checked it for myself. But apparently, Corey's responses are exactly, uh, you know, this is Act One, Scene Five, uh, the ghost scene. And even though Corey doesn't realize that his responses of, oh, God, and murder are the same as Hamlet's in that scene when he responds. I mean, it could be he just did remember the lines and was just kind of <laughs> naturally just saying them. Could be. Any comment there, Abby? Do you remember? Uh, I don't remember exactly, but that does sound about right. <laughs> of course, I'm no Steven Seagal, so... <laughs> Abby, do you know who Steven Seagal is? Do I want to answer that question? You're going to learn more about him. Don't you worry. Oh, he's an action hero. He's an action hero. I, I just never have introduced you to him. I felt like I would be laughed off if I said that. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I'll just introduce yep. you to him. That's all. We're back. So home. we transition to the Matthews living room <laughs> Corey comes in and uh, Eric thinks it's Alan, but uh, it's not. It's Corey. And oh, it's just you. Mom, you wasted a perfectly good birth on this. <laughs> That's a great insult. It is. Abby, you must remember that. <laughs> I do. I have to remember it. Now, they just come crying to you that I said it, though. Yeah, they would. <laughs> So Corey realizes now that there are real consequences to have having told Alan that he should threaten to quit if he doesn't get what he wants. <laughs> and so uh, he need, he wants to go stop Alan and uh, well, Alan I, walks I love in that the door. In in his his 13 year old brain, he thinks, well, I told dad to quit. So that's clearly what he's going to go do. <laughs> yeah. So Alan walks in the door and uh, and we'll, we'll uh, listen to Alan's uh, thoughts here. Why would anyone think I was going to yell? Hey, I'm the one who found Bob Williams' head splattered all over the kitchen floor. <laughs> Did you get my 5% back? Uh, no, Eric, I didn't. I'm going to go cancel 5% of my dates. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I had a very good talk with Bob Williams and Bob is very clear in my point. I'm talking to nobody. <laughs> so- it was not the easiest meeting I've ever had. Dad, you didn't quit, did you? No, I didn't. I was tempted, but I didn't. I guess you couldn't, huh? I mean, with me and Mom and the rest of the family counting on you? No, I didn't want to let you guys down. Wish I figured that out a couple days ago. I did let all my guys down. You mean when you quit your play? Yeah. You know, being the lead in the play is a lot like being the dad. Excuse me? Okay, so it's not. But still, if you make a selfish mistake, the people who count on you get hurt. Well, maybe Mr. Feeney would let you back in the play. 
Well, he did offer me a smaller part. The bad news is I'd still have to wear the pantyhose. But nobody laughs at a guy carrying a big spear. Being a lead in a play is a lot like being a dad. Excuse me? Okay, well, it's not. <laughs> so, Corey's learned his lesson, and Alan did not clean up the mess he made in the kitchen. <laughs> it was yeah, the wind, uh, I swear. That's a taboo <laughs> on, on Alan. He should have cleaned that up. He should have. <laughs> And he should have known that when Amy came down and saw it, she would have known exactly what he did. <laughs> hey, unless he's got a dog in the house, there's no reason not to clean it up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ooh, I should look. Uh, and then is cantaloupe safe Corey for dogs? is trying to put on a brave face with Alan. And, you know, I've never really loved Goofy Golf. It was just, you know, I was just pretending. And But there's Goofy Golf in the backyard. Which I thought was kind of cool. Uh, and apparently we learned that Morgan gets sick on the three-hour drive. And it might be because Amy sings show tunes the whole way. <laughs> we also learned that Alan has designed an imperceptible groove in one of the tracks to help Corey and Alan cheat. Because they're not quitters. Cheaters, yes. But quitters, no. And the seventh year of challenge is going to take place in the Matthews backyard and fade to black. And we go to the tag and Abby, I want you to, to walk us through the tag here uh, because I'm sure this would happen at any middle school play <laughs> because Corey has convinced the other spear carrier to get more involved and make the role his own. What, what happens here? Well, um, Stuff happened. That's the best way to describe it. Um, <laughs> it went interestingly. Okay, Abby, I'm blind and I can't see what's happening. Describe it to me. <laughs> I don't have a photographic memory, but I'll try. Um, well, I'll help you well, along. I'll get you started. The spear carrier yes. goes out and pops Polonius's big belly. And then Polonius decides to start fighting with Spear Carrier. And that's get, that gets everyone else fighting. Yep. And so what's Corey's <laughs> response after saying Shakespeare as it was meant to be? Well, he enjoys it. Uh-huh. And what's he do then? Goes crazy. <laughs> I thought you watched this this afternoon. I did. I Corey goes out with his spear and pushes everyone off the stage. All right. <laughs> I'm a little concerned about this uh, special correspondent for uh, Shakespeare that we have. I, uh... Uh, yeah. So Corey goes out, shoves everyone off, and starts making some poses and dancing. I was kind of sad because it seems that they cut off the shot before he started to do his river dance act. <laughs> and that's how we end the plays The Thing. Yes. <sighs> that is an end to an episode. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes. So, Tyler, I believe you have some deep dives for us. 
Let's start off with a little game, shall we? All right. So there are on record um, six official movies called Hamlet. They have sounded everything. So uh, I'd like you to. I'm going to. Once you go back and forth, I'll let you to take a guess at when a movie is released. If you're within a year, either way, I'll give you credit for it. So, Abby, as our special oh, guest boy. correspondent, give me a year. Um, 1985. 1985. 1985 is not correct. Darn. Hmm. I'm going to say 63. 63. Uh, it, there was one released in 64, uh, so you get a point. <laughs> Abby. 2000. Very. Now, Abby, you're not Googling when these are, correct? No, I'm not. My computer we can't isn't that see good. You. <laughs> yeah, we can't see you, so we can't prove that you're not. But also now I see Brett's looking down, so he could be Googling too. So I'm looking at my notes for what's next. <laughs> That's fair. Um yeah, no, don't worry. The first time we ever played a game, our mother or your mother's was there and she was trying to Google. And I'm like, no Googling. She goes, you didn't say I couldn't. <laughs> like, it's implied. It's a game. <laughs> All right. So we're tied up one to one. Brett, you're next. Uh, 96. 96 is correct. Yes. Is that Kenneth Branos? Uh, yeah. Ah, it's the one I knew of. <laughs> Abby? 92? Uh, 92 is not correct. Darn. <laughs> I believe there was... A, I have another list of, like, other performances, like, live performances <laughs> that they taped and then they, you know, put on TV and whatnot, but no. Uh, 89. 89? Uh, 90, yes. So at this point, Abby, you gotta get... <laughs> Both of them to win. Oh boy! No, sorry, both of them to tie. And if you guess accidentally, the other two that are considered Hamlet movies slash adaptations that are a part of this, uh, I'll give you credit for those as well. Okay. Um. Uh. Two thousand and seven. Two thousand seven is very wrong. Darn. <laughs> It was supposed to be lucky, but it wasn't. <laughs> hmm. 19. Let's go really far back. Uh, let's see. 1949. Ooh, 1948. <laughs> All right. So that means, Brett, you officially win the game. Abby, do you want to give us one more guess to see if you can get close to... Uh, um, 1979. <laughs> I don't know. No. <laughs> <laughs> Brett, you've got most guesses. Why don't you give one last guess? Uh, 
2000. Uh, there was a no, not 2000. You already guessed 2000. Oh no, Abby guessed 2000. Yeah. Um, it's the only one I got right. Oh, oh okay. so I, I forgot. 1969. There was uh, a mo- another movie released that was Hamlet. So, uh, and there was two others that are considered a part of that: Ophelia in 2018, and then Rosencrantz and Gilderstein, Gilderstern are dead in 1990. So I would have given you credit for those two, but uh, there was a uh, TV. Uh, a Russia Ukraine featurette of um, of, of uh, Hamlet. So yes, there was an adaptation that year. I'm sorry that I'm not giving you credit for it, Abby. But um, <laughs> I was going to do a small deep dive on Hamlet, but um, we have our resident expert, and she's kind of gone through it a little bit. Abby, what can you tell me about Hamlet? Just the the general. Okay. Well. You see, Hamlet's dad died very tragically, like a Disney movie. <laughs> like he fell off of a cliff and then some rams uh, ran him over? No. that's Or his uh, ship at sea sank. No, not exactly. He, he was killed, actually. He was moitered. Um, Ooh. Yeah, he was very murdered. Snake oh. poison, if I remember right. Um, and but you see, so he comes back as this ghost dude. He's like, Hey, um, I was killed by your stepfather Claudius, who Hamlet already hated his guts. So he's like, Man, kind of got killed. So, but so, of course. He won, he would avenge his father, but his father also asked him to not make his mother upset. So it's kind of hard to get revenge on someone without making their wife upset. So he slowly pretends to go insane for reasons I still am not completely sure of. Um, but you see, he is also in love with this lady named Ophelia. They're completely in love until he pretends they're not, which makes her very upset. And okay. so eventually, if we fast forward a bit, Hamlet accidentally kills Polonius. Well, it wasn't an accident, but he didn't know it was Polonius. He thought it was a rack. So he was talking to his mom. Hmm. Spear through the gut, dead. Then right after, Ophelia drowned, dead, boom. So, yeah, so he's sent away and then he comes back and is like, yo, let's have a duel with this one guy who I forget the name of. (laughs) But you see, Claudius was planning to kill Hamlet the whole time and decided to put the poison in a cup. So, you know, when Claude, when, um, not Claudius, when Hamlet would get thirsty, he could be like, here, have the cup. But you see that Gertrude, the queen lady, drank from the cup and died. And he realized he messed up. And then slowly, one by one, either by sword or by poison, everyone dies except one person. <laughs> so Hamlet? It's a beautiful story. Who survives? 
uh, Hamlet's best friend, Horatio. So, uh, Brett, you may be wondering, when was uh, mini golf, putt putt, goofy golf, whatever you want to call it, when was that invented? I was. How did you know? Well, it was actually uh, June 8th, 1912 in England. Leave it to the uh, English. Yes, it started there. Uh, The first standardized uh, putt-putt course was the uh, Thistle Dune, do the Thistle Dune in 1916, and apparently it's still in operation because it's part of a uh, country club. Uh, The first uh, one in the United States was the Pinehurst, which is all part of that now. So North Carolina was the first state to have putt-putt. And it's up for the good-looking people to decide, or do we call it mini-golf? Do we call it putt-putt? I'm a fan of putt-putt, but, you know, it's easier to Google mini-golf, so. Mini-putt. So I did look up about companies, you know, can they just decide that we're going to pay you less? Um, And so there's kind of conflicting answers. It really depends state by state. And I could not find an answer for Pennsylvania specifically, but – the one thing that is for sure is that like a company can't go, hey, um, your paycheck this week is going to be less because we took we, we aren't paying you as much. That is illegal. You have to know what your rate is going into the shifts that you are working or that pay period. Now, they can say for the next pay period or, hey, starting Monday, you're, this is the rate you're going to have. A lot of states require that you have like written understanding that, yes, I am agreeing to take a pay cut. Um, And essentially they say that the alternative is, well, no, you don't have to take the pay cut. But if you don't take the pay cut, then you're just not going to have a job. Right. And Pennsylvania is an at will state for work. So it wouldn't surprise me if, you know, this fits in that reality. Right. Right. Alan Matthew brings up a number that I was troubled by, and that is he has 150 employees. And I thought, it seems like a lot for a supermarket. It does. However, I have two friends uh, who work. uh, One works at a Walmart. I will not say what Walmart. And then one who works at a Giant Eagle. Again, I will not say which one uh, to keep their identity a secret. But one of them. Uh, told me because they work at a more localized Walmart. Um, not saying where, but you know, uh, they have roughly Chicago. in the small market. No, it's in Pennsylvania still. <laughs> uh, they have roughly 200 employees. The Giant Eagle is in a, a bigger area and they have about 300 employees. You know, 150 in the 90s for. You know, whatever promotions they have going on and different, you know, departments that they may have and the heads of those departments and then the full time people plus part time people plus, you know, college people that come in for a short time period and people that only work weekends and, you know, people decide to quit, you know, here and there. So roughly, you know, 150 is not that off. Yeah, that makes sense to me. Right. But it also could be like it's 150 positions potentially, you know, but who knows for sure. Certain. These are just rough guesses. Um, but yeah, so it's not that out there. 
I thought about the whole goofy golf thing and then putting it in the backyard. And I'm just going to say that there's no way to really find out how much money that they put into it. They make it appear <laughs> as though they already had materials or it was really easy for Alan to get um, to actually go out and, and, and do an actual nice looking thing. That's not just temporary, temporary. You know, it's going to cost you a couple hundred dollars just to do a couple holes, not let alone doing a whole 18 hole course, which they don't show it's an 18 hole course. So who is to say in all these things? Yeah, there's I, I don't think they have enough yard for full 18 holes. <laughs> well, we don't even know where the driveway is necessarily. So that's part of the problem, too. Sometimes on one side of the fence, sometimes on the other side of the fence, you know. Yeah. So uh, this is for you, Abby. Steven Seagal. Okay. <laughs> uh, he is a actor, writer, martial artist, and overall crazy man. He he His most famous time period is the 90s. He had a couple of action movies that came out. It put him on the map. Mostly just young teenage boys that went, yeah, this guy is the man. None of his movies that have come out are like the mega giant movies. Say like a Terminator or... Uh, Die Hard, you know, none of the movies he's put out are truly classic, like good movies. They are just these action movies where he's some guy who knows martial arts and it's his job to save the world or the United States. And that's what he does. So um, I'm say I could even look real quick about what his biggest movie is. But honest to goodness, I don't even know <laughs> if I know it. <laughs> Um, cause oh, like one of like the big part of his career is he did a lot of, uh, um, whatchamacallit straight to, uh, home straight to t- straight to video movies. So he put out a lot of movies in a short time period, but not really of any quality. Um, probably his biggest claim to fame is that he came on to Saturday night live and participated in none of the sketches and was not funny and was asked to never come back. <laughs> <laughs> Surprisingly, though, he only has 57 acting credits, which I thought was quite fascinating. Yeah, I'd say Under Siege was probably his biggest one. Yeah. But Executive Decision was another one and Fire Down Below. But he wasn't the main headliner in Executive Decision. Yeah, I saw that he worked with uh, Kurt Russell in Executive Decision and... Billy Bob Thornton he worked with. So he has worked with some big names, but he's never been like the big name that really draws in millions and millions of dollars. So, yeah, but he's really given up acting to pursue some political careers with Russia. So the less we talk about him, I think. the better. <laughs> so those would be your deep dives or whatever you want to call these <laughs> <laughs> deep dives. Well, how about our lessons? Uh, Tyler, what did you learn this week? What's your lesson from Mr. Feeney? Oh, boy. Can I go last? <laughs> okay. Uh, Abby, do you have a lesson from Mr. Feeney that you learned? Uh, my lesson is, well, uh, is that class assignment or not, you should not have middle schoolers put on a play. <laughs> Fair lesson. (laughs) Mine is that boldness comes at a price. Make sure that your bold decisions are not rooted merely in selfishness or emotion, but in reason and consideration. 
You know, I've noticed my lessons are reading a lot like fortune cookies lately. Yeah. <laughs> well, Tyler, um, what, what was your lesson you learned? Well, I think the biggest lesson I learned is just coming from Alan's experience and him just constantly saying, why does everyone think I'm going to yell? And <laughs> it, it's listening to what other people say that you care about. You know, if if my children are concerned that I'm going to get upset and get frustrated, you know, and be mad at them, I need to listen to that. Um, you know, I've had a couple of times just because of it's a stressful time period right now where, you know, I've just kind of walked away from a room and my son has kind of looked at mom like, is, is daddy mad at me? She's like, no, he's mm. just frustrated because it's a stressful time right now. He goes, oh, I just don't want him to be mad at me. So, you know, it, it's those little moments that even though things are stressful and things are hard right now, I have to pay attention to that and make sure I don't make him think that he is the reason, you know, mm-hmm. he may be the ice that breaks the back that makes me, you know, start to freak out a little bit, but he's not the actual reason for it. Mm-hmm. It's because I'm sad. <laughs> <laughs> I feel very bad. <laughs> yeah. Um. So what what grade would you give this sucker? Well, uh, let's start with our special uh, guest thespian. Ooh, Abby, yes. uh, what would you grade this episode? Mm-hmm. A minus. <laughs> A minus. Wow. Right. Yep. Tyler, how about you? I'm going with a D plus. Honest to goodness. I mean, I here's the thing. I like when they do classic literature, but I felt like it just didn't. I can work in my head how to make it work to to say, yes, this all happened, but it just it, it doesn't in reality. And that bothers me. Also, the stuff going on with Alan's work bothers me as well and, and kind of just justifying plot moving along. The only reason that I did not crown this sucker my first F uh, is because of the uh, scene with Mr. Feeney and, and mm. that gravitas that uh, he was able to bring to that moment and helping Corey understand the lesson that uh, had. Um, and also the scene with Alan, um, contemplating what his son had told him so um other than here's what i'll say if you remove those two scenes what actually happens in this episode fair i i uh i vacillated between a b minus and a c plus um and uh, i think because there's, I mean, there's a lot of suspension of disbelief and a lot of TG, TV magic and episodes got an episode with just the expectations of sixth graders putting on this play. And um, uh, the, the A story's got a lot that you have to just kind of roll with. Um, but the strength of Alan's uh, uh, dilemma and... Mr. Feeney's 
I'll, I'll, I'll call it strength, the, what he what he goes through and how he deals with it. I'll, I'll settle on my my B minus. Fair. And I, I'm not saying that this is not a bad episode. I'll watch this episode again. It's just the longer we go through this thing, the harsher <laughs> my standard. And the more we say episodes got an episode, the more it's going to drag me down, man. I'm working on the T-shirt for that, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Good. But again, for the record, uh, about a hundred or one hour and one hour and a half to an hour and 40 minutes to the Jersey Shore. Also, cantaloupe is safe for dog in moderation. Okay. <laughs> we, we talked about the fact he doesn't have a dog, so why would he let it true. Just sit there? So, Very true. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Well, before we, uh, before we call quits, uh, I got a dad joke for you. I was going to come up with a new theater joke for you with this week in mind, but I gave up because theater jokes just always seem so staged. and with that this has been an episode of dad's new world uh you can find us online send us your uh your questions your uh hints allegations seems like said your hate mail to me for finding send your hate mail about my big fat creek wedding to brett specifically at uh, dadsmeetworld at gmail.com Tyler where can they find us on our social accounts oh you can find us everywhere all you gotta do is type in dadsmeetworld and you'll find us and anyone anyone I'm telling you anyone that leaves a review or anything nice we'll read it I promise just say nice things that's right that's all we want I, I was just checking yesterday no reviews to read yet almost through the first season it's like yep, nobody gotta likes get Abby and tell her friends to start following us and leaving five star reviews yeah <laughs> hop on the hop on the web Abby and tell your friends to uh, to check us out <laughs> yeah and uh, Abby do you want to s- tell uh, tell the world anything when you before you sign off no <laughs> <laughs> Well, good-looking people, thanks for joining us again. Tyler, until next time, I'll see you good-looking. Yes, but big thank you to our guest correspondent, Shakespeare uh, expert, Abby. Appreciate you being on here. Can't wait to have you on again. That's right. Season two's coming. Yes. And always, Brett, we'll see you good-looking. Find Dad's Meat World on Facebook, Twitter, and probably a few other places just by searching for Dad's Meat World. Dad's Meat World is a production of Head First Studios. Head First Studios, tell your story. And there's a cat on Tyler's lap. I picked him up. I picked him up this time, so it's fine. Hello, kitty. I love you. I can't hear you. I'm on Bluetooth. I don't care. I don't care. I'm still going to talk to him. So then we transition. Oh, there's the cat. Let's see if you turn your camera on, he might see you. He'd be scared of me. Probably, but he'd see you.
is so <clears throat> good lord so my boys are at this point five years apart uh let's see i've not work with my normal board so that the, oh that is my recents folder that is not the right <laughs> folder no wonder they're out of order i want everybody to give a groan Mm-hmm. so that's yeah like, so <clears throat> that's literally <laughs> like you know you and 